Thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. Here at Velocity, we love to hear about how lives are changed. And if that's you, let us know and send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now enjoy today's message. We're in week two of a series called The Proving Ground. And in this series, we're looking at different tests that prove our personal potential. I'm just curious, how many of you want to get better? Anybody want to get better? There's a lot of you that are very secure in yourself right now. But yeah, I want to get better, man. I certainly hope that we can get better. I know for me personally, I have a lot of room to grow, a lot of things I need to develop in. That's what this series is about. In fact, it's not just a series, it's really an experience because we've designed our groups to go right along with this and we wanna encourage you to get in a group and grow together and be a part of something like that so you're not just getting the word on Sunday but you're taking it into your week. But I wanna be clear with what this series is about because as we talk about tests and proving our potential and getting to the next level, it'd be really easy to get it confused and think that you know, sometimes we approach the Christian life like when we're doing the right things, like our life is good, and when we're doing the wrong things, our life is bad, and you know, like God loves us when we do good, and God doesn't love us when we do bad, and that's not what this is about at all. You know what we believe about salvation. I wanna tell you that you can't change God's love for you. This isn't about a works-based righteousness. God, God loves you as much on your worst day as he does on your best day. In fact, even with your best efforts, you can't earn God's love or earn salvation or earn righteousness. However, you can grow and you can develop and you can mature. In fact, that's God's will for your life is that you would continue to grow and continue to develop and continue to mature, that once you accept salvation, you wouldn't just stay where you're at, but you would continue in the things that God has for you. And I need to be clear that God's will for your life is not automatic. Just because you love God, just because you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, everything God has for you doesn't automatically enter into your life. There's some things that you have to mature in and you have to be obedient to in order to walk it out. And so that's what this is about. In fact, that's why we offer Growth Track, by the way. It's to help you discover that there are God-designed plans for you. There is God-sized potential in you. There are gifts that he's put in you and there's things that he wants you to do in the world. And so we've designed that in a way where you can discover that and learn how to make a difference and learn how to walk that out. And because of that, we have a responsibility with how we live. That's what I'm trying to say. We have a responsibility with the decisions that we make and we need to realize the opportunities we've been given and consider how we can be the best person God has created us to be. How we can be the person that God can use in the most effective way. That's what this is about. So I wanna quickly recap last week's message because it was the synopsis for this whole series. And I gave you one point that I hope you wrote down. I hope you thought about it, put it into practice in your life. This is it though, I'll give it to you again. It's that, you have to be tested in order to be trusted. You have to be tested in order to be trusted or in order to be trusted, you have to be tested. However you wanna put that. The, the opportunities that come to our life, the problems, they're not just problems, they're opportunities for us to prove our personal potential. 
And we talked about how everything that we interact with goes through a proving ground. The chair that you sit in, the technology that you use, this microphone, testing one, two, it better be tested before I grab it, right? It has to be tested before it can be used. And you have to be tested before God can use you to your full potential. Now, proving ground, all that is, is a place where something is developed, tried out, tested. That's why I like that term, because proving ground tells me that if I can pass the test, that there's something for me on the other side of it. Lots of times when I just think about a test, I think, oh, I don't want that. No, thank you. I'm good where I'm at. I'll be fine just to stay here. But a proving ground tells me if I can get past the test, God has more for me. So let's get into this today. The truth is right now, every single one of you is going through a test. Absolutely, no question about it. Every person in this room is being tested. And the scary thing is some of you don't even know that you're being tested. It's hard to pass the test if you don't know that you're being tested. But every person in here is going through a test and I don't know, I wonder if the test we're gonna talk about today might be yours. This is the first test in our Proving Ground series, the test of small things. The test of small things. And I wanna set this up for you with one verse of scripture. It's found in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Jesus is speaking here and I'm gonna read it from the Passion Translation. This is what it says. The one who manages the little he has been given with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. But those who cheat with the little they've been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. This is the test of small things. This test comes to prove our potential for greater opportunities. If you do well with the little you've been given, you manage it with faithfulness, with integrity, sure you can be trusted with it, God's gonna give you greater things. But if you try and cheat with the little that you have, what's that mean, cheat? Try and sidestep the process, try and bypass it. I don't need this right now, I wanna go on to the next thing. This is not where I wanna be. If you try and do that, you won't move on to the greater things. You can't move on to the things God has for you tomorrow unless you are faithful with what God's given you today. So I wanna get into this message. I got a title for you. You probably wanna write this down. It's a good title. I'm calling this message today, It's the Little Things. It's the Little Things. I need you to participate with me. I need you to elbow somebody next to you, elbow them in the ribs, especially if you don't like them, hit them hard, and to tell them it's the little things. It's the little things. All right, let's pray. I know I need God's help this morning. Would you bow your head? God, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that you speak to us. Lord, I'm asking that you use me today. Let this be a personal and timely word for each person here. Thank you, God, that only you can do that, and I believe you'll do that. Use me today, God, I know you will. And everybody who agrees with that can say, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, has anybody made plans for Valentine's Day? Any married people made plans for Valentine's Day? Married people, yeah, put your hand, you better put your hand up if you're married, right? Even if it's not true, by faith in Jesus' name, I've made some plans. <laughs> Call those things that be not as though they were, it's a prophecy. I've made plans in Jesus' name. Uh, any, any single people hoping to make some plans for Valentine's Day? Come on, 
This is your moment. Put your hand up. Be proud about it. Taylor, get your hand up. Come on. All right. You may have come to God's house to find a spouse. I don't know. God may answer your prayer today. I, I'm curious. A lot of you didn't, didn't raise your hand. Anybody think Valentine's is the most overrated holiday of the year? Anybody? Now, if you're married, you better not put your hand up. I'm telling you. You just better roll with it. Yeah, some of you do. It's a little bit overrated. I, I, I get that. I get that. And my, I'm not really going to talk about Valentine's. I mean, I am wearing pink, so I wanted to be festive. But um, my, my, my sermon today isn't so much about Valentine's or our marriage. But I do want to just share with you a little bit about marriage because Marissa and I, we've been married 15 years now. And, you know, we, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's great. It's an accomplishment. I'm proud of that fact. We don't have a perfect marriage, but we have a blessed marriage. And, you know, it's marked by serving one another. A lot of good things in our marriage. And we've, we've, we've learned some secrets in our 15 years of marriage I want to share with you. These are secrets that they don't come overnight. These are some things that you only learn through uh, practice and you know, first thing I, I would share with you, if you do have some plans for Valentine's Day, you're, you, know, you made some reservations, nice place, romantic dinner. One thing you don't want to do, one thing you don't want to do is talk about what will happen uh, in the event that you die. Like that is, that, that's usually not a good subject matter for conversation. Uh, I'm speaking from experience on that one. Um, I totally crushed the vibe I was going for that Valentine's Day. She started crying. And uh, I was just, you know, we were planning for the future. I was like, well, let's plan all the way out. You know, let's plan worst case scenario. Uh, but that was not good. Uh, another thing that you want to make sure, like, don't forget about Valentine's Day either. Like, like even if you're not going to go crazy with, don't forget about it. Like, acknowledge it. You know, don't plan a meeting on Valentine's Day. That, that's not going to be well, you know, go well with you. I actually have taken it one step further. I get my kids involved now in the process. I'm like, look, boys, you are not going to get out of this in life. So you better just own it now. Recognize that the sooner you get in line with the program, the better it's going to go with you. So I get them involved, but we've learned a few things and got some plans, some things I'm making happen this year. But, you know, usually despite that conversation about what would happen if I die, uh, when we have pretty good dinner conversation. In fact, the last time Marissa and I went out, we, we don't go out every week or anything. Sometimes my life is hectic. Uh, our lives are hectic and I'm traveling, but we, we try and go out regularly. And, and we went out and, and we were talking about just the different things in our life and where we want to be and how good God has been and reflecting on where we've come from and you know, what's working and what's not working. Sometimes it's almost a business meeting, our, our dates. But, um, but we're talking about that. And I asked her this question. I said, hey, you know, what's your favorite thing about our marriage? What's your favorite thing about being married to me? And of course, I'm fishing for a compliment. I mean, I just, I'm hoping that she's going to tell me some things that I want to hear. And, and uh, you know, she, she thought about it for a moment. And I'm thinking, like, you know, she's going to say, like, you know, some, some big things that, that I've done. Like, I, I'm thinking she's going to talk about the fact that I'm a pillar of spiritual wisdom and uh, the fact that 15 years in marriage, like, you know, I haven't just let my body go. I'm still a physical specimen and, you know, really, like, attractive and all of those things. Or just the fact that her life is so much better now than she could have ever possibly imagined. Um, you know, just God really answered. I, I thought she was going to tell me, you know, like some of these big things. But she, she thought about it. She stopped and she said, it's probably, it's probably all the little things. 
Now, let me just stop you for a minute, ladies. When your husband asks what you like about being married to him and the first adjective that comes to your mind is little, <laughs> that does not build a lot of confidence. Don't do that. It's the little things. Thanks, babe. Appreciate that. I said, well, what do you mean? She's like, well, you know, like it's, it's the little things. Like, you know, you, you text me like just randomly throughout the day. And, uh, you know, sometimes like you'll, it's not like the flowers you get me on Valentine's. It's like the flowers you bring home for no reason. Or, you know, when I've had a rough day, like you'll, you'll offer to take us out or you bring food home. Or, you know, she, she mentioned like just all the, all the little million inside jokes that we have that nobody else. She said, that's what I'm, it's, it's the little things. It's not the big things. It's the little things. And what's crazy about her answer is that if we were to flip the question and she said to me, she said, hey, our marriage is great, but what are the things that you don't like about our marriage? I would have told her, you know, it's not the big things. It's, it's the little things. You know what I'm talking about? It's, it's the little things. It's the fact that in 15 years of marriage, like I still haven't broken her of some bad habits, you know? It's like, it's like in our house, we have one sink and she can pick the side that she wants to put her stuff on, whatever side you want. But yet she chooses to put her curling iron and her makeup and everything on my side of the counter. It's the little things. Those are the things that I don't like. It's the fact that, you know, like when early on when we were married, like we used, she used to like write notes for me when I travel, put in my suitcase now, like, I can't even get her to respond to a text message. It is the little things. And it's just interesting to me that, you know, both of us talking about marriage, the things that make it good and the things that maybe make it bad aren't the big things. It's the little things. You guys are catching on. That's good. It's the, it's the little things. And that's really the first point that I want to tell you is that little things make a big difference. Little things make a big difference. Now we're talking about marriage, but this is really what Jesus is talking about. He said, look, if you are faithful with the little things, that's what matters. You can't move on to the greater things, can't move on to the bigger things until you're faithful with the little things. It's the little things that make a big difference. Now, we don't just have to keep it in regards to marriage. I mean, we could apply this to any number of situations in our life. I think about parents. This is something parents understand so well. Like, I have four children. My middle son is Oliver. And Oliver, he's a pretty good kid for the most part, but I would definitely appreciate your prayers. And uh, he, um, you know, he wants to have all this freedom. And he's like, you know... Mom, dad, I want to go ride my bike. He's eight years old. I want to ride my bike and I want to go wherever I want to go. And, you know, I would really like my own phone and I would really like my own computer and I want my own money so I can buy my own. Like he just, he wants freedom. Okay. That's, that's great. What he doesn't understand, there's nothing wrong with any of those requests in and of themselves. I mean, he's eight years old. So, you know, he's the slowest roll just a little bit, but what he doesn't understand is that He'll never have that stuff if he can't be faithful with 
things that seem almost not connected at all. Like when I'm telling his siblings to clean up their room and he's doing everything but cleaning up his room. When I'm saying, hey, it's time for bed, go to bed, don't get out of bed. And he's bouncing around. It doesn't seem connected to the freedom that he wants, but it's absolutely connected. Every parent understands. It seems like a little thing. It seems like what's the connection? But if you can't be faithful, if you can't be obedient in the small thing, he's never going to graduate to these bigger things. It matters. These things matter. Little things make a big difference. And the question for us, question for Oliver, question for me, the question for you is, can you handle more? Can you handle more? And the way this question is answered is by observing how you handle what you already have. What, what do you do with what you've already been given? Now, David is a great example of this. I mentioned David last week. We could probably look at David every week in this series because he's such a great example to learn from. But I want to talk about the first part of David's life because David started out as a shepherd. And while he was in the sheep field, you would have never guessed that the sheep field was preparing him for the battlefield. See, while he was a shepherd just taking care of his father's sheep, God was getting him ready to be king. God was getting him ready for the next thing, but you would have never known that. We don't, actually don't find out until he's faced with a giant and he says, hey, just like God was with me and delivered into my hand the lion, just like God was with me and delivered into my hand the bear, God's going to deliver into my hand this giant. The lion prepared me for the bear. The bear prepared me for the giant. It's those little things that seem insignificant that propel you and promote you to the next thing. But nobody would have ever seen that. Nobody would have ever guessed that, right? Because being a shepherd didn't look like a promotion. Being a shepherd didn't look like an opportunity. Being a shepherd looked like rejection. Being a shepherd looked like he was left out. Being a shepherd didn't look like he was in line to be king because being a shepherd looked very insignificant. And this is what I've learned about small tests is that the small things never look like tests because they seem so insignificant. I'll give you an example of this. Probably one of the number one questions I get as a pastor, if people come up to me, they're like, pastor, how can I know God's will for my life? How can I hear from God? How can I know when God is speaking to me? And I bet if we were to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, if we were to take a poll in this room, most people would probably say, uh, how do you know when God is speaking to you? Well, when God's speaking to you, it's gonna be something big. It's gonna be something dramatic. When God speaks to you, you're gonna know it. When God speaks to you, it's gonna be unmistakable. Right? I mean, that's what most people would think. And I would tell you that's definitely true. It's definitely a possibility. But more often than not, when God speaks to you, he does it in the way of an impression. An impression. What do I mean? It's, it's when you, you get that impression, I know I should call that person back. I know I need to get that assignment done. I know that I need to respond to that email or that text message. I know that I shouldn't eat so much junk food. 
That's not the voice of your mom. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Scripture refers to it as the still, small voice. It's not a loud, booming voice. It's an inward, a small voice, a small thing. And what it is, is God speaking to you, giving you a test in a small thing. Lots of times what happens when we have those I knows, I know that I should, or I know that I shouldn't, what we end up doing is we end up rationalizing them, excusing ourselves, explaining them away. Ah, uh, you know, I'm really busy right now. I've got a lot going on. I can do it later. It's not that big a deal. It's not that important. But we have to understand that this is God asking us, and he's not asking you for his benefit. He's asking you for your benefit. He wants to see, are you someone who can be trusted? Are you somebody who's quick to obey? Are you somebody who's sensitive to his voice? Or are you the kind of person that needs to be reminded and reminded and reminded, and when you finally do figure out that it's God, you're gonna argue with him, and you're gonna give him all the excuses as to why you can't, or to why you shouldn't, or to why this isn't a good idea. He wants to know, are you gonna be obedient? Are you gonna be obedient? God is asking us to help us grow, to help us mature, to bring us increase. But it doesn't look like increase, it doesn't look like growth, it doesn't look like development, because it seems insignificant. This is the second thing I wanna tell you. Just because it's small doesn't mean it's insignificant. Just because it's small doesn't mean it's insignificant. God releases big blessings from small tests. See, when you have an impression to encourage somebody, that's not just a thought. That, that's God giving you a test. When you have an impression that you need to do something. It's, it's a small test. God is asking you to do it. And if you don't do it, it's going to keep you from the big things that he has in store. What I'm trying to show you is that the test of small things shows up in the practical everyday things. The things that you would almost miss if you're not paying attention. Let me ask you, are you the kind of person that has to be reminded over and over and over again before something gets done? maybe at work, maybe at school, maybe at home? Is your spouse always having to remind you, take out the trash, to clean the garage? When are you gonna pick up that thing? When are you gonna run that errand for me? Is your mom or dad having to constantly remind you to clean your room? If you answer yes to that question, can I tell you, you're failing the test. If, if you're, you promise to do something with your kids and they don't believe you. You're failing the test. If you're always running late, you're failing the test. Is anybody else under conviction or just me? All right. Uh, it's not always in the test, though. Sometimes God will speak to you about other things. Sometimes he'll speak to you about relationships in your life. And he'll say, hey, the there's some people in your life and you actually, you need to stop hanging out with them. But, but God, if I stop hanging out with them, I'm not gonna have any friends. 
what you don't understand is that if you don't let go of the wrong people, the right people will never show up in your life. See, you, you've got to be obedient in the small thing, those things that run through your mind. Maybe God is speaking to you about joining the team here. Maybe he wants you to be part of the hosting team. It's a small thing. Maybe he wants you to be part of the next gen team or the creative team, whatever team. And every time you hear that, there's something within you. It's like, yeah, I, I need to do that. I should do that. I want to do that. But then right next to you, you have all these other thoughts. Like, man, I'm so busy. I've got so, so many other things going on. They've got people. They don't really need me. Besides that, like, I want to do something that matters. I want to do something that's important. Can I tell you, if serving in a small way is beneath you, then leading in a big way is beyond you. So you've got to be obedient in the small things. You've got to be obedient with the little things before God can entrust you with more. That's why it matters that you're punctual. That's why it matters that you keep your word. That's why it matters what words come out of your mouth. That's why it matters what words you let come into your ears. All that stuff matters. Some of you might be thinking, yeah, but why should I have to live this way? Nobody else is living this way. No, nobody else sets this kind of standard for themselves. Can I tell you, not everybody else is going where you're going. Not, not everybody else is called to do the things you're called to do. Not, not, not everybody else has the discipline and determination to become everything God has called them to become. Not everybody else is going to be sensitive to God's voice. It might seem like a small thing, but don't confuse the small with the insignificant. You know, sometimes we don't even realize that we're not passing tests because we think this doesn't even matter. I remember when we were starting this church, we're about a year and a half into it, and I was at a really frustrated place in my leadership. I felt like the team wasn't getting it. I felt like the church wasn't getting it. I felt like I wasn't able to move things forward. I was frustrated. And I do wanna say I've grown a lot since we started this church to become a much better leader, praise the Lord. I've developed a lot. But if you were to ask me, the one strength I had early on as a leader was my ability to keep things light. My ability to keep things, you know, just like make a joke, keep things, you know, fun, keep things light. Like I thought I was pretty good at that, but I was frustrated that nobody uh, was really catching the vision and catching the culture. And I remember really clearly I was making a joke about something as I always did. And God spoke to me in that moment, just an impression, an impression that I had because I had a problem. Uh, even though I was a pretty funny guy, I had like one form of humor. And that was the fact that I was really sarcastic. And you know what sarcasm is, right? Sarcasm is saying something that you don't believe to be true. That's what sarcasm is. Say something that you know is not true, but you say it anyway. So I was making a joke about something. I said something sarcastic, trying to keep it fun. And in that moment, God spoke to me about my sarcasm. And he said, it's just an impression. If you don't believe your words, why should anybody else? It's a little thing. But God, like, that's the only way I know how to be funny. Like, if I don't, you know, that's the only thing I got going for me right now as a leader. But I'll never forget, it's just the small thing that God spoke to me about. You need to stop being so sarcastic. And for the next three years, I was the most boring leader as I tried to figure out other ways to be funny. But within that, I wonder what the small thing is that God is asking you to do. I had so much 
conviction as I was preparing this message because I'm typing and I'm writing and God is speaking to me and I'm thinking, okay, the small things matter and I'm looking around and my office is a mess. And I thought, oh, get behind me, Satan, right? That's not, that's not the Lord. I'm like, it's not my fault. I've been busy, all right? I've been traveling a lot. I've had a lot going on. I've had a lot of events. Half this stuff isn't even mine. People are using it as a storage closet. This is not my mess. I'm not gonna clean it up. I was like, I'm failing the test of small things. Start thinking about all these people that have texted me and I get tons of text messages in a day and sometimes I don't always respond right away and sometimes I actually look at them like, oh, that's what they said and then I forget to respond in the moment and then it's like days later, I'm like, I need to text that person back. I need to call that person back. I need to respond to that email. I'm not saying you have to be at everybody's beck and call and available 24-7. I'm just saying I want to pass the test of small things. I, I, I want to be faithful and manage with integrity the small things that God has entrusted to me. Because if you don't pass the small test, you'll miss out on God's best. Here, here's the reason. Because obedience in the little things creates opportunities for the big things. Obedience in the little things creates opportunities for the big things. There was a man in the Bible who was born blind and Jesus healed him. And it's interesting how it happened because Jesus comes up on this man, they were asking about him and Jesus said, hey, this isn't God's best, this isn't God's will. I'm gonna heal him, that's what God wants for him. And the way he did it was so crazy because if you know the story, what happened is Jesus spat in the ground, made some mud and put it on his eyes. Then he said, go wash the mud off and you'll be healed. Now I have a few thoughts about this. First of all, how much spit does it take to make some mud from the dirt? That is a lot of saliva, let me tell you. Second thing is, Jesus, that's mean. I mean, there's a lot of ways you could have healed him. You could have spoke the word. You could have put your hands on him. You could have maybe put a cloth on him. He could have touched you. You could have said, you know, go to show yourself to the priest. Lots of ways he could have healed him. But instead, he made some mud from spit, put it in the guy's eyes. I mean, this guy's blind. He didn't know what he looks like. People probably made fun of him. Now they're really making fun of him. Oh, can't you wash your face? What's wrong with you? You know, I don't know. But here's what I do know. All he had to do was go wash his eyes and he'd be healed. It wasn't a big thing, it was a small thing. He didn't say, hey, go climb this mountain. He didn't say, hey, go you know, give this big offering, make this big sacrifice. He said, hey, go wash off the mud. It's a small thing. Now, I don't know all the spiritual significance and application that has to do with mud and eyes. I'm sure if we studied it, we'd find a lot. But here's what I do know. Here's the principle for you. Is that the significance wasn't in what he did, washing off the mud. The significance was in his obedience. The power wasn't in what he did. What he did was a small thing. The power was in his obedience. And for you, Whatever it is that God is calling you to do, speaking to you about, the test that you're going through, it's not the thing. The thing is not the thing. It's your obedience to the thing. That's what matters. I wonder what the test is that God has you facing right now. Maybe 
It's the words that are coming out of your mouth. And I'm not saying swear words, curse words. I'm saying it's the fact that you're so critical all the time, that you're constantly nagging your spouse, that you have more negative things to say than you do positive things. Maybe it's the things you're allowing yourself to consume. And I'm not talking about food or alcohol. It could be that. But I'm saying you're letting any form of entertainment, any form of anything come before you. That's no big deal. And yet you know God's been speaking to you about, hey, that's a small thing. I I want you to make that change. Maybe the small thing is God asked you to reach out to somebody. And you've just been going like half-hearted with it. Well, I'll just, you know, if I see them, if they cross my, if I run into them, I'll say something. But actually God has spoke to you about, you need to reach out to that person. You need to invite that person to church. You, you need to get invested in their life. I don't know what the small thing is for you, but I do know that if you won't be faithful with the small thing, you won't go on to the greater things. Jesus didn't just talk about it in Luke. He talked about it in a number of different ways, a number of different places. There's a famous parable that some of you might know. It's called the parable of the talents or the parable of the three servants. When Jesus starts it out, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this, or the kingdom of God is like this. That just means this is the way things work with God. This is God's way of doing things. Ruler calls his servants. He gives them some money, some talents, according to their ability. One thing that's interesting, scripture doesn't say this, but they got different amounts, one, five, one, two, one, one. And he said each according to their ability. I I read that, I realized the reason the ruler knew their abilities because it had already been proven. So at some point they had passed the test. He gave them something to work with. And we oftentimes focus on the guy who did a bad job, but I want to read to you what he said to the guys who did a good job. He said, this is Matthew 25, 23. He said, you did well. You're a good servant who can be trusted. You did well with small things, with little things. So I will let you care for much greater things. Come and share my happiness with me. See, little things make a big difference. Just because it's small, doesn't mean it's insignificant because it's your obedience in the little things that creates opportunities for the greater things.